from the past. Please listen carefully. Coco. Welcome to the Coco Crew Podcast. A delicious adventure into the world of retro computing news and information. Featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Got your Coco 3 yet? Coco. Welcome, Coco Cruisers. You are listening to episode 93 of the Coco Crew Podcast. Woohoo! See, I'm John Linville, of course. I'm here with, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Neil Blanchard. Hello, Neil. Hello, John. And fellow Coco listeners. Yep. And, of course, Mr. Mike Rowan. Hello, Mike. Hello, everybody. Hello, Coco Cruisers. So where are we? So it's uh, we're looking at Coco Fest coming up in uh, around two months. Tandy Assembly coming up uh, around seven months. That, that's looking pretty good. Anyone working on anything cool? Nothing at the not, moment. Not the cool time of year for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping to be uh, making steady progress on uh, on my shoot 'em up uh, or, or vertical scrolling shooter, but um, haven't really done anything. So, oh well, I'll, I'll post more about it when I actually have some progress to show. What about acquisitions? Anybody buy anything cool lately? I did receive that uh, 6803 evaluation board that I bought off eBay. So I haven't had a chance to power it up yet, but that might be something fun to play with. Yeah, that's pretty cool. For sure. Actually, I did acquire something. Oh, yeah? Uh, and, uh, Ian Maverick was down last week to visit me, oh. and he brought me a um, FD502 Repro controller that he makes. But he gave me the kit version, mm-hmm. so I'm going to have the fun of building it. Cool. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, so looking forward to that. I got one of those kits a couple of years ago. Are those kits, do you just solder them up, or is there a lot of calibration and stuff that goes with it? Nope, just soldered up. Cool. Well, we take a short little break, and we'll be back with some announcements. New from Bumblebee Software, it's ColorSpeak, the easy-to-use color computer voice synthesizer. Greetings, everybody. I am a speech synthesizer. The ColorSpeak voice synthesis cartridge works with all color computers, 4K through 64K, and all versions of BASIC. That's because ColorSpeak has its own internal 2K of RAM, and all of the software required is stored on its own onboard ROM. Just plug it into your color computer, power up, and begin using ColorSpeak. ColorSpeak features text-to-speech mode, text-to-speech, phoneme mode, inflection mode, and spelling mode. From BASIC, simply assign a string of text to the talk dollar sign variable and call the USR routine to speak it. How are you? ColorSpeak includes user manual, phoneme dictionary, cartridge pack, and demo tape. Just $169 from Bumblebee Software. All right, Coco Cruisers. Now it's time for some announcements. Of course, you're listening to the Coco Crew Podcast. We're available on Twitter with the Twitter handle of at signs Coco Crew Podcast or at signs C O C O C R E W P O D C A S T. If you like to use Twitter, feel free to send us a tweet. We might even tweet back. Of course, have a Facebook group for the podcast called The Coco Crew Podcast. Oh, well, that's four several words. If you want some maybe early news or a chance to exchange some banner or give some news tips or anything like that, 
feel free to come and join the, the, the Facebook group. Be part of the crowd. We, of course, are a podcast. So, well, of course, we have our RSS feed available at cocacrew.org. And for those of you that are less uh, DIY inclined for your podcast listening, we are available through um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. If you prefer to stream us, uh, then we're available for streaming through Spotify, Stitcher, and on TuneIn. If you want to consume the podcast in a video format, uh, we, we do take the shows and convert them to, into a video format and post them on YouTube. We have a playlist. The link is in the show notes. Advantage to consuming the podcast through YouTube is uh, if you maybe uh, have a hearing difficulty or maybe if you're uh, not a native English speaker, the YouTube is does pretty well with generating subtitles. So you can have the subtitle, the text as a backup for your English consumption <laughs> if, if you're not used to uh, receiving spoken English it might be helpful so anyway check us out we are of course a member of the throwback network this is a list of retro themed podcasts also we're listed on the game by game podcast information hub which is also a list of 80s era gaming uh, technology uh, podcasts so again, if you are caught up with the retro, or I'm sorry, if you caught up with the Cougar Crew podcast and looking for something else to listen to, we recommend you check out Game by Game Podcast Information Hub. Show audio for the Cougar Crew podcast is hosted at Anchor by Spotify. If you want to reach out via email to contact the host of the Cougar Crew podcast, we have some addresses set up. Show S H O W at CougarCrew.org. That's at sun, C-O-C-O-C-R-A-W dot O-R-G. We also have podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, at org, And feedback, F-E-D-B-A-C-K, at org. Let's see, at this point, we've got uh, special announcements. <laughs> the uh, first one is a link in the show notes for um, something called Listen Notes. And Listen Notes is... Um, Bills itself is like a search engine for um, podcasts. They seem to be, or at least claim to be, some sort of authority on uh, podcasts. Whether they have rankings of um, popularity and that sort of thing. I did find our our listing for this podcast, and if you click on it, it'll bring it up and it'll show that uh, they have something called a listen score, a metric that shows the estimated popularity of, the, of a podcast compared to other RSS-based public podcasts in the world on a scale from 0 to 100. The higher, the more popular, calculated from first- and third-party data, updated monthly. Our listen score for this podcast is 25. I don't know exactly uh, how good or bad that is, but that's what ours is. <laughs> more interesting to me, they also have a what they call a global rank. Global rank for our podcast is listed as top 10%. So top 10% of all the thousands or millions of podcasts in the world. I think that's not too bad. <laughs> what do you guys think? I was pretty excited to hear that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's interesting. Definitely. So, yeah, an exciting little piece of news. Anyway, enough of that. Go back to the show notes. You see there's another link there announcing um, there's a link to Vintage's The New World. Link from Paulo Garcia. There's the 2023 Basic 10-Liner Contest is on. This is, of course, a, a programming contest where the challenge is to limit your basic programs to 10 lines of code. 
there's a, a variety of categories with a certain amount of flexibility on how many characters per line and how many there's a couple of restrictions. The deadline for submissions is Saturday, March 25th of 2023 at 6 p.m. Central European time. These 10-liner contests have been popular, well, dating all the way back to, you know, the, the, the good old days when they would have uh, that sort of contest would appear in some of the magazines. But they continue to be popular with retro uh, enthusiasts. So uh, if you uh, have any idea how to write anything worth <laughs> worth running that only uses 10 lines of basic on your cocoa, well, it seems like a good thing you should try and, and, uh, and enter in the contest. Usually not a ton of cocoa participation, so it might be nice to see some. At this point, we usually cover the events in the real life coming up that we think you might be interested in. April 14th through 16th of 2023, we have a Vintage Computing Festival East. Themes for this year, <laughs> number one, computers and education. Number two, keeping vintage computing alive. So this is an event held at the InfoAge Science and History Museums uh, in Wall, New Jersey. Pretty cool historic site related to uh, Marconi radio transmissions. It's an old army base. They've got a, a lot of cool historic stuff in their museums there. And their vintage computer festivals tend to be um, you know, pretty interesting if you're uh, in this kind of hobby. <laughs> So if you're in the northeast part of the United States and looking for something to do right after you file your taxes, then head to Wall, New Jersey, and uh, check out Vintage Computer Festival East. Coming up April 22nd through 23rd of 2023 in the Chicagoland area, the 31st annual last Chicago Cocoa Fest. It's a big cocoa event, show floor. There'll be, uh, I think there'll be some talks. Uh, Definitely, if you're a cocoa purser and you're in the Midwest part of the United States, anywhere in the Chicago area, it's a good event to go to. Go and check it out. April 29th and 30th, 2023, we have the Indie Classic Computer and Video Game Expo in Indianapolis, Indiana. The Indie Classic Computer and Video Game Expo will be April 29th and 30th, 2023, at the Crown Plaza Airport Hotel in Indianapolis, Indiana. Come for a fun-filled weekend of retro goodness, finished computers, retro video games, arcade cabinets, and lots of friends. Indie Classic is a two-day expo featuring retro and vintage arcade games, gaming competitions, computer and console exhibits, buy, sell, trade, with anyone, anytime, no table required. Randy Kendig, host of the Floppy Days Vintage Computing Podcast and co-host of Antic, the Atari 8-Bit Podcast. If you're in the, anywhere near Indianapolis, the end of April, then I recommend you check out the Indie Classic Computer and Video Game Expo. June 23rd through the 25th, Amigos Retro Gaming presents Boat Fest 2023, a vintage computer exposition in Hurricane, West Virginia in the computer room above Connolly's Irish Pub. High score challenges, classic gaming trivia, repair workshops, live podcast recordings featuring Commodore 64, Amiga, TS-80 Coco, Apple Macintosh, Amstrad, CPC, Atari ST, Apple II, X Spectrum, Coleco, Atom, Atari 1200XL, Nintendo, Sega, 3 Electrics, and many, many more. Limited tickets available at BoatFest.info. Three days of peace and micros. 
So have not been to this event. Heard that uh, was successful last year. Don't know a lot about it. If you go, do, do be sure to let us know, and uh, love to hear more. July 22nd through 23rd, 2023, Classic Game Fest, the biggest retro gaming event in Texas. Still don't know a lot about this event. Sounds like it's a cool event. So if you're in Texas uh, or near Texas and looking for a retro computing event, this might be the one for you at the Palmer Event Center, Austin, Texas. July 28th through the 30th, 2023, the Southern Fried Gaming Expo. Atlanta, Georgia, held at the Marriott Renaissance Waverly. Southern Fried Gaming Expo features more than 300 arcade and pinball machines, dozens of new and retro console systems, a massive tabletop library, RPGs, wrestling, music, tournaments, a vendor expo, exciting panel sessions, guest speakers, and so much more. Game all weekend at hashtag SFGE2023. That sounds like a cool event. It's in Atlanta, Georgia, so if you're in the southeast part of the United States, maybe you should find your way there if you're looking for something to do at the end of July. All right, well, that brings us to the end of the announcements. So why don't we take another little break, and then we'll be back with some news. Since 1994, Cloud9 has made cool stuff for your color computer. Now Cloud9 is proud to announce the 2-megabyte Triad Plus Memory Expansion Board. The Triad Plus works in two ways. Purchase just the Triad Plus board to expand your Color Computer 3 from 128K to 512K of RAM. Or add the new Protector Plus MMU to access the full 2 megabytes of static RAM aboard the Triad Plus. And the Protector Plus MMU utilizes full buffering to protect your CPU. Unlike previous 2 megabyte memory expansions for the Coco 3, the Triad Plus operates seamlessly without the need for special patches, configuration, or workarounds. Games like Donkey Kong Remix and Sierra Adventure games simply work without hassle. And the Triad Plus will reduce your Coco's power consumption and heat generation. The Triad Plus and Protector Plus MMU, only from the innovative engineering of Cloud9. Cool stuff for your color computer. Visit cloud9tech.com for details. I'm dead. But check out that high score. How did you do that? With the Gamester. It's a real arcade joystick with arcade buttons. Can I try? Sure. Wow, this has really got some weight to it. Yeah, it's made of real wood. Is this walnut? Yep. You can choose any wood or finish when you order yours. It looks great, and this joystick is amazing. It's smooth, and the buttons are great. You can choose a custom cable link, or even get a left-handed version. I'm sold. Where do I get mine? Introducing the Gamester. The Gamester is the ultimate two-button joystick controller for your color computer, Dragon, and Tandy 1000. The Gamester features a genuine arcade-quality joystick with two large arcade-quality cherry switch buttons on a single surface. Every Gamester is built to order. Choose the wood for your cabinet. Choose custom paint or stain and finishes. The Gamester is designed to last a lifetime. To build yours, simply reach out to Neil Blanchard by email. Neil at CocoCrew.org. That's N-E-I-L at C-O-C-O-C-R-E-W dot org. Experience genuine arcade controller action for all of your favorite color computer, Dragon, and Tandy 1000 computer games. For true arcade action, it's the Gamester. All right, Coca Cruisers, welcome back. Now it's time for some news. In kicking off the news this month, we have one from Benj Edwards. Chuck E. Cheese still uses floppy disks in 2023, but not for long. Uh, I'm glad you included this one, John. Uh, this is really mm. cool. 
basically this system at Chuck E. Cheese, their animatronic system, is still running off of a floppy disk and a couple DVDs. But it looks like they're going to be retiring this very soon. Maybe even they might have already have retired it. Really cool article to check out. There's even a video he's posted of the system running, booting up off the floppy. Really cool to see. Next news article is from Matthew Carlson at Hackaday. Unicodes explained. So this is a uh, full article on Hackaday. Basically everything you want to know about this. Kind of just describing the the, the method of, of encoding some of those fancy characters in, so that if you wanted to use them for some reason in a, a retro you know, program, then uh, maybe you could if you want to communicate with a, a more modern system. Yeah, basically allows a platform that can't generate those characters to send the codes to something that can. Okay. All right. I see. Well, that's, that's cool. So, for that's... example, if, if you want to do, theoretically, if you want to maybe to have a BBS where a, a retro computer is serving a BBS to a more modern system, and for some reason you needed the, the fancy, you know, foreign language glyphs, uh, you know, Chinese characters or something, uh, you could do it that way. Well, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's a good use for it. All right, we got another one, uh, another Hackaday article from Luan Day. Uh, DIY Game Boy games make the perfect Christmas gift. Well, yes, they do. Would <laughs> might get one myself. So this is a neat <laughs> article showing that someone here has made up four different games. Looks like four, yeah, four different games here using the uh, GB Studio. So you can do uh, Game Boy and Game Boy Color games with this. It's uh, capable of creating ROM files to run an emulator, or you can uh, flash them, of course, into a cartridge and play them on the real Nintendo hardware. Mm -hmm. This is in the not a not a Coco project, but it could be uh, right. sort of thing. You could give you could do a custom uh, Coco games for the perfect Christmas gift for you know, for me or, or or for someone like me. <laughs> be happy to receive that. Good to see other platforms just... have cartridge lovers too. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Our next news article is a YouTube video posted from 12 Tone. Is C flat the same note as B? The response to Adam Neely. I think, John, this one's for you because, uh, you know, you're into producing music. I know you did far fall. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we had, you know, he's responding to the video we had a link to last month with the whole discussion of, Two notes that are played basically with the same key on the on the piano keyboard. When you play it on the piano, this is the same key, so you're going to get the same tone, whichever one you press. But you know, went down the rabbit hole of discussing with whether or not that was sufficient to mean that they were the same note, or if there was, depending on what music theory you were following, if it made a difference to to specify one note versus the other. You know, when you doing like key changes and stuff like that. Anyway, so this video is a response to that video. So if you didn't like that one, you're not going to like this one. But, you know, <laughs> if you did, it might be fun, right? So, this is the kind of article that you can impress a date with. <laughs> if she's a very nerdy date. Yeah. <laughs> um, Definitely. Probably it's that Sam Bankman frees girlfriend. All right. Well, anyway, we'll move on. So the next 
Well, it's really three links that kind of are related off from Chet Simpson. So we'll start with his uh, announcement to the Facebook group here. It says, uh, today I posted the first public release of the latest version of the Chaos Toolkit prototype. This includes the palette processor, texture processor, and the texture compiler for converting images into blazing fast MC6809 assembly. If you're a developer, you'll want to check them out, especially if you're working on game projects for the Cocoa 3. Documentation and sample files are included. So there you go. Check out uh, Chet's um, Chaos Toolkit. Definitely an impressive um, piece of code to start with. He's done some pretty cool projects. I know not everyone's a fan of Chet, but he does have some good technical chops. So you might want to check out what he's offering. Yeah, really de- detailed videos as well. So. Yeah, so the other links there, he's got a, a, course, a corresponding uh, video on YouTube, Elements of Chaos, Chaos Toolkit, The Final Journey, uh, and then the other link is to his GitHub repository. Hopefully, if you're if you're interested in this sort of stuff, hopefully you know how to work GitHub and you can download uh, the code and manipulate it, maybe contribute changes back to it if you can figure out things that need to be done. There you go. Thanks, Chet. We, uh, cool to see this kind of sharing. Very nice. Okay, and the next one, Rocky Hill, or also known as Pedro Pena, says, after uploading the DriveWire 4, Drive 4 project to run with newer versions of Java, I got some feedback saying that it was occasionally crashing under Windows 10. The link is to a, a mailing list archive. It goes into some detail on what he's doing working with DriveWire 4. If you're interested, and especially if you're interested in, in compiling or maintaining DriveWire, the DriveWire Java server, you may want to check that out and follow up with Pedro, see what he's doing. All right. All right, let's, let's move on to, uh, of course, Alan Huffman. It's about the time of year for Alan to kind of spin up and get it to excited and generate some Cocoa content on his blog. And so he's uh, been doing that. Uh, and so, well, let's see, he's got a link uh, to his, uh, the Cocoa Disk Basic sequential and direct access files. So if you're looking to write some basic code that uh, manipulates files on your diskette, uses them for input or output and that sort of thing, if you want to more information on the different kinds of files you can open and close and uh, how they work and how to use them. You may want to check out uh, Alan's blog post here. All right, so then he's got uh, another uh, article. This one is um, rather than on his blog, he's got something at the uh, Vintage is the New Old site. And uh, it says Microsoft's undocumented TRS-80 color basic syntax. So he goes through commands um, in Extended Color Basic and looks at some variations of, of, that are legal to use but aren't necessarily documented or that sort of thing. Some uses of how you can specify drive numbers along with file names, extraneous parameters, uh, or where you can add in parameters or you do some different things. Particularly interesting in, to me was where he does some different uses of device numbers. It's interesting stuff. You may want to check it out. Get some technical details on how basic works. 
Let's see, now he's got one more that's also an article that vintages the new old. Handy Coco 3 CLS 100 Easter Egg Explored. And uh, I actually don't know a lot about what the CLS 100 Easter Egg is. Prince uh, Microware. Oh, uh, okay, I see it, yeah. And the, I guess kind of the cool trick about it, not only does it print that, but it also overwrites that with no ops after it prints. So you can only do it once without uh, powering it off and back on. Interesting. So I'm not sure what the pur- purpose of that is uh, or why they did it like that, but you might want to check that out. And again, learn some more about the inner workings of the, uh, the Coco 3 modifications to uh, Extended Color Basic and how they work and maybe why they work. I don't know. May have to put some of your own thinking into the why they're there, but uh, check those out. All right, let's see. Moving on, uh, so we've got a couple of links from uh, Nick Morenti's game developer from uh, Australia that's still part of the community. What he it's a YouTube video that he calls the Coco Games Montage. Basically, just as described, it covers some of his uh, color computer game creations. And Donut Dilemma and uh, Gate Crasher. Yeah, Gate Crasher. And uh, a couple of other games of his are show up in the video as I scratch through it. You want to see a maybe a best of style reel of of, of uh, Nick's work? Then you may want to check that out, see what he's been up to over the years. Exactly. Then he's got a, another link that he's posted: uh, a bug fix for Jumping Joey. That's one of his more recent games. For anyone who's reached level six in Jumping Joey, they'll find it will hang. So he's got a fix. So you can go and uh, find it explained at his nickmarentes.com website. So uh, if you've been enjoying Jumping Joey, you may want to be aware of that. You'll often uh, pursue the fix as described. All right. This next one is from Classic Has Class at blogger.com. The MOS 6502 is mostly Turing complete without registers. This is a, a computer science type of uh, article here. And I'm guessing, and you jump in here, John, but I, I'm guessing Turing completeness in this respect is the ability to move data in memory. Is that right? Yeah, it's pretty basic stuff. I, I th- think maybe the, the key takeaway is that Turing complete doesn't mean as anything as important as it sounds. <laughs> just kind of a theoretical you can compute stuff with it but it doesn't mean it's all that powerful our next one here is classic video chip drives a modern tft this is from jenny list at hackaday another cool one this showing driving a a small tft lcd display from a uh, classic computer using uh just using a little uh microcontroller to do the conversion Uh, it looks pretty cool and here's one I enjoyed. It's a NASA programmer remembers debugging Lisp in deep space. This is from David uh, hmm. Cassell at the New Stack. So interesting for a lot of reasons. Obviously, you've you've probably heard of these things where you know satellite is millions of miles away and it has a a problem, a malfunction in the code. The criticality of debugging that without you know trashing the satellite or whatever that's millions of miles away. Uh, so he kind of talks about doing that and how they, they did use Lisp for some of the code. And uh, and sometimes, despite all their testing, they run into a, a bug that they had no way of anticipating while the thing is out in space. Talks about the use of Lisp 
uh, NASA and, uh, you know, how they go about making some of those corrections. So nice article. I enjoyed it. Always cool to, to see a, a debugging story. So, you know. All right. Uh, here's another one that uh, is pretty cool from, it's from Jeremy Reimer. Revisiting Apple's ill-fated Lisa computer 40 years on. This is just an article about the, uh, the Apple Lisa, which of course was the precursor of the, uh, Macintosh. Yeah, it's a good read. All right. Let's move on. I've got a, a link on the uh, Facebook group. Well, the link is from a Tom Dunk. Don't know Tom, but, uh, I'm surmising that he must have uh, had a few of these PCBs made and they were for sale. And by the time this link hit, or at least certain by the time you read it, uh, they're all gone. But, uh, this is a UVD composite audio, uh, composite video and audio out clone. Okay. I've shipped a few of these now. I have six left. PM me your address and your board. This is all gone though. So. Uh, anyway, I guess he, you could have got a, a free PCB from Tom. This is a, a clone of a design from back in the day. I guess the it is available out on PCB Way. There's a link, and so you could have your own boards produced and um, a handful of components. It looks like you could produce it, this uh, project here or reproduce this project yourself and have composite video. You get, People are always uh, looking for ways to improve the, <laughs> their video output. And RF is always a, a big mystery to people, I think. Uh, they think that TVs can't accept it somehow anymore, which most TVs, if it's called a TV in the U.S., most of them can accept that, uh, the RF output. Or beyond that, um, after a while, people were um, didn't seem to want composite video. They wanted uh Coco VGA or, or some other projects that uh, more modern video output. Uh, I find the composite video works pretty well for the Coco. It's really what the Coco is doing anyway. Maybe it's not sharp enough for some people's eyes or sharp enough for my eyes. <laughs> so anyway, you might want to check out this project and follow up and produce it yourself. If you do, let us know. We'd love to hear about that. I, I agree with what you're saying, John. The the Coco uh, RF video, the composite, is is excellent. But the catch is you want to use a good cable, a nice shield yeah. cable, and one of those nice adapters, those little um little dongle type adapters, you know that they screw on the back of your on your television, on the coax port, yeah. and oh, then yeah. right. the uh, the RCA. Yeah, the F to R, the F connector to RCA adapter. That's what you need. Yeah. Yeah, those. If you have that in a good cable, I, I find it's it's crisp. There's no line noise or anything. Yeah, like I said, if you have a, a like a shielded cable, and if, as long as you're not trying to use the, the old switch box with the big mechanical slider and yeah, you know the, the little <laughs> um, screw terminals or whatever on the back. To uh, if your TV even still has screw terminals. So, um, you know, get the F to RCA adapter and uh, the Shealy cable, and you'll be surprised at how well it works for most people. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest in the studio with us today, the world-famous Blaise Pascal. Mr. Pascal, thank you so much for joining us today. Tous les plaisirs et pour moi. 
I'm so sorry, the pleasure is all mine. So, is it true that you invented one of the first digital calculators? Ah uh, yes, the Pascaline. My father was a tax collector and he needed a faster way to make the necessary calculations. Don't get me started on French monetary structure, no me bon. And you are also well known for your inventions such as the syringe and the hydraulic press. Yes, yes, you embarrass me of course. I did a lot of uh, stuff as you say, but let me tell you what I am most impressed with. What would that be, Mr. Pascal? Deft Pascal, a color computer with as little as 32K of RAM can be used to develop software using the programming language named after myself. I'm not following you. Pascal Workbench provides a complete development environment for your color computer. Edit your Pascal source code, compile it, and then run it. C'est très facile. Don't forget the excellent debugger. You can set breakpoints, examine variables and memory locations. You can even singly step to your code. Très bon. That is impressive. Oui, very impressive. Well, folks, there you have it. Pascal on Pascal. Pardon? Are these donuts for anyone? Sure, help yourself. Where are you off to next, Mr. Pascal? I have spent much time studying probable outcomes. Time for some applied science. I'm headed to Vegas, baby. Time to redefine Pascal's wager. Deft Pascal for the TRS-80 color computer. From Deft Systems Incorporated. Gimmisoft presents Mac 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 Max Sound. Gimme Gimme Sop Sop presents Mac Mac Max Sound. Gimmisoft presents Max Sound. Max Sound presents Gimmisoft. Max Sound is a hardware software, high quality audio recording station designed for the new Color Computer 3 by Lucas Industries 2000. Max Sound allows you to store real music and voices in the Color Computer 3. 3, 3. Max Sound will provide hours, hours, hours of fun for the whole family. From Hel 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 Helsinki to Christchurch, Max Sound, the quality recording studio of the 80s. From Gimmisoft. All right, let's see. YouTube video from uh, was creators listed as the Sound Card Database, uh, the YouTube creator. Um, don't know much about the channel. Anyways, it says, can we build a USB 5 and a quarter inch floppy drive? Well, watch the video. <laughs> uh, it's not too hard to find a USB three and a half inch floppy drive, as long as you, you know, look diligently or whatever you can find them. But it's pretty hard to find one that's five and a quarter if there ever even were any. But you know, realistically, the drive mechanics aren't that different. So I'm sure I'm, several of us have have wondered or thought. Maybe you could do something like what I think they're doing here, where they're swapping the mechanism of, and to see if they can get a USB five and a quarter inch floppy drive. So if that sounds interesting to you, then maybe you want to check out this video, see if you can make sense of what he's doing. Does he finally gets the project working? So check it out. Let us know how it works for you. The next one is another YouTube video from uh, the channel's Look Mom No Computer. 
The title of the video is Modifying a 45-Year-Old SWTPC to Play Synthesizers. Now, the, the SWTPC is obviously not a Coco. Uh, it's a SS50-based machine. In this case, he's using a 6809 version, so it's at least spiritually related to the Coco. Using it to generate uh, control voltages for his synthesizer, which is really his main project, I guess. Anyway, it's just kind of cool seeing the old computer put to use in a somewhat more you know, modern fashion that, uh, or more practical fashion. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Check out the video. Let us know what you think. That's yeah, definitely cool. And I think those are analog synthesizers, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So he's using it to, yeah, the trigger voltages and patterns and stuff. So yeah, interesting. Yep. Cool. All right. Uh, let's see, the next one is a, uh, a link to a tweet from uh, Frederick Ramsberg. Is a retro text adventure library Punian form version 4.2 is out. You can now write games that include indistinguishable objects. <laughs> As usual, bugs have been fixed and the parser is better than ever. Get it at, and there's a, a, a GitHub link. So we've talked about opinion form previously. And so if you want to write your own um, Infocom style, uh, a text adventure on a, a modern machine, but you want to target something small enough that could run on a, a retro computer, opinion form is uh, a tool for, to help you do that. And so if you are wanting to do that, uh, you may want to make sure you get the latest version of opinion form. And again, if you pursue a project like that, definitely let us know. We'd love to hear about it. All right, moving on, we've got another one from Simon Jonason, 2.7K of MC Squared. Why is the player called MC Squared? Because it has two voices of square wave is why. <laughs> so this is a uh, a fun video. Uh, Simon's always doing some uh, cool music things. And uh, here's got a little recording. I think the song is called, what, Popcorn? Yeah, so, I think so. It's yeah, kind of a classic. Classic from the 70s. Um, so, yeah, check it out. He's got uh, two voices playing. Sounds pretty nice. Okay, here's one that's uh, near and dear to our hearts. This is from Jenny List at Hackaday. You can now fix your deer. And that's as in John Deere. Now, there's been a lot of uh, attention in the media to, you know, right to repair. John Deere has run into that in uh, the past years where they've been uh, booby-trapping boards and locking things down. Basically, you weren't allowed to service your John Deere. You had to take it to John Deere to be repaired or to get parts, et cetera. It looks like they're uh, opening some of that up now so that you'll be able to uh, tinker, change it, and, uh, fix it yourself. So that's that's a step in the right direction. Whether they really had any control over <laughs> making that decision or were just forced to, uh, it's still good to, to be able to fix the things that you purchase. Definitely. And so in the question of do you own it, you're not allowed to fix it. Right, versus licensing it or whatever games they try to play. Yeah. Well, I think when you're talking about a tractor in the field, it's hard to make the argument that you don't own it, right? Exactly. Okay, this next one is by Andy Sterkowitz. It's Stop Learning These Programming Languages for Beginners. Uh, I've seen several of these videos uh, kind of similar to this, and 
they all seem to say learn JavaScript or Python. Uh, was it Dijkstra that wrote a famous letter about how people who learned basic were irreparably damaged? We <laughs> 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 kind of think that JavaScript might be the, uh, the modern version of that, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't use JavaScript. So what do I know? All right. We've got one from Todd Wallace. And this is a cool one. Uh, this is an Apple II Plus emulator running on my Coco 3 with an upgraded 6309 CPU. Now, uh, we covered this story earlier, didn't we? In a previous episode. This is kind of a follow up article to that. Uh, I'm not sure. I think. We've certainly covered similar things, um, mm-hmm. and we may have covered uh, an earlier reference to this, but yeah, I think this, but I think this is a more thorough example. Anyway, it's, it's a cool video because it, it, he shows you how he loads the Apple ROM into memory on the Coco, and uh, it'll actually start up and try to read the disk, uh, even though he doesn't have anything it can read <laughs> yet. Uh, yeah. But then he breaks out, and you're an Apple Basic, and you can uh, you can run code, and uh, even even copied the Apple font into memory, so it it looks like an Apple II plus. Well done. I'm uh, it's fun to see that, and uh, yeah, be interesting to see him continue work on that. Yeah, pretty impressive. We got a link. Uh, this one is to the James Diffendaffer's blog. Well, we have two kind of related links. Um, there, there must have been some sort of um, post somewhere that someone put up a, a, a basically an animated cat written in BASIC or something like that. Sometimes these things happen where people do a project and especially related machines uh, might try to, to, uh, to replicate the, the graphics or, or uh, you know, if it's uh, written in BASIC or something. Anyway. Uh, I guess in this case it was a, a uh, an animated cat running across the screen, and so he did a version, I guess, for the MC10. He's got a, a YouTube video link here embedded at the blog, but it's basically based around um, a number of data statements. Draw out the cat in uh, different states of movement, various commands where he translates the data back into graphics. Check it out. There's a little cat running across the screen. Uh, kind of cool. Uh, Jim Gary apparently was inspired by the same folks. He did a, a version. I guess the original must have been written in uh, G, GW Basic, uh, GWiz Basic, as some people would say. It was DOS based, I guess, but similar. It's a Microsoft Basic, so somewhat at least similar to Color Basic. In this case, uh, Jim took the the source and, and uh, converted the animation to uh, use it. An SG4 style of graphics on the MC10, whereas uh, James's version uh, done with a higher resolution, looking like a P mode or style of graphics. Yeah, it's P mode four. So I guess it's not for the, the MC10. I guess that one's for the actual Coco. Uh, so the Jim Gary versions in SG4 it looks like a little bigger. You, you can see the cat running. It doesn't move across the screen. It just sort of runs in place. Anyway. Uh, if uh, the basic programming challenges are interesting to you, or if you just like cats, <laughs> I wonder how you'd animate something. Check it out and see what's being done there. Might be interesting. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. 
All right, so so moving on, we got a, an update from Simon Jonathan. It says, um, update uh, hashtag umpteenth on the Gakin port of Frogger to the MC10. This kind of got stuck on the conversion as the quote-unquote embedded 6801 is a lot different from our 6803. Range with true extra time. I guess it's kind of a, a um, customer-specific version of the 6801 or something like that. So how about we take the assets from said game and rewrite it completely? Have I gone totally mad? Probably so, Simon. You can do that. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the update and um, definitely keep going on your frog report. It'll be interesting to see what you come up with. So there you go, MC10 owners uh, looking for something to do. We're hoping to play some Frogger. Send some beer to, to Simon. It'll help. League Bowling, the great American pastime. If you belong to a league or manage a league, you need Bowling League Secretary from Tom Ellico. It runs on any color computer, one, two, or three, with a disk drive, a printer, and just 32K of RAM. Bowling League Secretary is user-friendly with easy-to-use menus. You can track any number of teams and over 200 bowlers. It calculates and stores stats for every team and every bowler. It can handle men's, women's, mixed, scratch, or handicapped blinds and substitutes. Start up any time in the season. It features automatic backups with weekly, mid-season, and end-season resets. Bowling League Secretary includes a 20-page instruction manual. And most of all, it frees you up to do what you love most, bowling. The Bowling League Secretary is just $49.95 with free shipping. From Tom Ellico, Doylestown, PA. So what did you want to show me? Check this out. I do this poke, and the printer is now at 9600 Yeah, that's a popular one. And I wrote this little program to do all these pokes to give me access to 40 track drives. Yeah. And this one lets me access both sides of the drive. Okay. And this utility automatically creates line numbers for me in BASIC. You do know that all these things are built into ADOS, don't you? Huh? Have you been living in a cave somewhere? ADOS adds all sorts of cool functions to your color computer, all the things you described and more. It even supports true lowercase on the new Coco 2s. You're kidding me. ADOS adds things like repeat keys so you can edit your last command, DOS command for OS 9, error trapping in BASIC, there's a RAM command to run in full RAM mode, two-column disk directories, keyword abbreviation, and that doesn't even scratch the surface of the features of ADOS. That sounds easier than all these pokes and short utility programs. You better believe it. And ADOS comes with an easy-to-use configuration program. You just run it, enable the things you want, ignore what you don't want. <laughs> sounds great. You can run ADOS from disk, or you can have ADOS create a ROM image, and you can just burn that onto a ROM and put it on your disk controller, so it boots up right into ADOS every time you boot your Coco. Imagine, you never have to set your baud rate again. Wow, that's amazing. Will it work with my Coco 1? ADOS works with both Coco 1 and Coco 2 systems, and it's available for just $27.95. You'll wonder how you ever lived without it. Supercharge your color computer with ADOS from Spectro Systems. Spectro Systems, Miami, Florida. One more link from Jim Geary. New for the TRS-80 MC-10, I've compiled five games and made them Joypad compatible. Deep Scan, Cave Raid, Border, Mount Fuji, and Brick Wall. Some updates to them too. Pressing fire button should usually work for restart after games. So you got a link to a YouTube video there. Yeah, I think we mentioned the the, uh, the Joypad, uh, basically the three-button hack for... Uh, Using the MC10 serial port to uh, to be able to control games. I wish somebody were mass producing those and probably make a you know totally conquer the the MC10 market and 
um, you know, sell out, you know, I'm sure they could sell all 10 or 15 or 20 that they might make. But uh, seriously, it'd be cool to see some more of those. It's cool to see people using that. It's kind of neat. I think we put the link to, to the the article about producing the how to make those joysticks uh, in last month's show notes. So go and check it out. Yeah, that's awesome. This next one is from Mikey N6IL, also known as Mikey Furman. Well, we've actually got four or five links here to his uh, his video logs. Pi DriveWire, which I highly recommend since it runs in Python, you know, Linux, Windows, Mac. So he's got a collection of videos here on the features that he's, he's been adding to PyWire, some of them experimental, but uh, some of them, uh, I think all of them work pretty well. He talks about updates for Coco WX, which ability to pull up weather from uh, using uh, Pi DriveWire. He's got one on uh, printing from uh, Pi DriveWire. So you can print uh, directly from your Cocoa to, uh, to Pi DriveWire and actually turn it into something on a you know a modern laser printer, which is nice. One of his more recent ones is SSH on the Cocoa with Pi DriveWire. So you can actually open a terminal uh, like DWTerm, his, his terminal program, that's what he shows. You know, open up an SSH session from that terminal emulator running on your Cocoa through uh, Pi DriveWire, which is pretty cool. Deloading with uh, Pi DriveWire. Pi DriveWire does Tano Dragon. He's got a video on that. So great collection. Uh, great work that uh, Mikey's doing with uh, Pi DriveWire, and he just keeps expanding on the uh, capabilities. I think uh, his big challenge now is he's. Uh, I think he stated this is the last one that's going to support uh, Python 2, and he's going to convert everything over to Python 3 to keep uh, pace with uh, Python as uh, version 2 kind of drops out of favor. So, uh, well done, Mikey. Appreciate that. Uh, appreciate Pi DriveWire. Uh, that's that's what I use. Runs great. All right, we've got one here from Paul Thayer. The new rainbow is still a work in progress, but I wanted to post my first article here. So a collection of people in the community decided they were going to try to generate, uh, you know, recreate a rainbow magazine. I don't know. Was that ever to be anything beyond one one magazine? Or? Well, I don't know what their intent. I'm sure they would love to have a, a regularly running a, a monthly periodical or whatever. But for some reason, um, it's still not available, even the first issue. So uh, you can cross your fingers and hope, but I, I don't know what else to to uh, to say about that. But nothing suppose, has appeared so far. Right. So supposedly they're still working on uh, an edition of the, of that. This is an article that Paul created for that uh, a couple of years back, I guess. He's just made it available for uh, for general reading, uh, and it's called uh, Breaking Basic. Kind of a play on Breaking Bad, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a good article on uh, basic. So definitely follow his link and check it out. Thanks for the article, Paul. And a little teaser for when the uh, when and if they do actually come out with that uh, that special edition of Rainbow they're working on, uh, we'll look for it in there too. This next one is La Coco Strangiato at YouTube. <laughs> Uh, kind of a play on the the Rush uh, instrumental song. If you're a fan of Rush, it's actually in the video. Will it Coco? And uh, this is a guy taking a uh, an RGB board. I think it's used with arcades, isn't it? This, this is kind of an older board that's been around for arcade yeah. cabinets. Um, I think so. 
and he's just walking through, you know, can you set it up to use the, uh, the Coco's RGB output? And, uh, he shows that, yes, you can do that successfully. I, I don't think those boards are very cheap, but, uh, they're probably still available. So if you wanted to drive an RGB monitor from your, uh, Coco 3, you could use that board and he shows that, yes, you can do it. Okay, our next one here is from Paul Shoemaker, making progress on what will hopefully be new next game. It looks further along than it is. Yeah, so he's working on a game called Descent into Shadow. Don't know much about the game, but uh, I always like Paul's graphics and the color sets yeah. and things that he uses. Yeah. So uh, Great job. Yeah, always great and love to see you working on, uh, on another game. So thanks for that, Paul. Next up is uh, posting on uh, the TRC Color Computer Group Facebook from Eric Gustafson. It's titled, Just wanted to mention that the wonderful multi-platform retro development suite TRSE is coming to the Coco 6809 family soon. That's, that's great news. That's the um, Turbo Rascal Syntax Error uh, IDE <laughs> development system. Yeah, that's one of those... Um... Sometimes people have quirky senses of humor. I'm not sure why you would name programming language something like that, but that's what they've done. So they've got it's supposed to be something some at least similar to to using Turbo Pascal back in the DOS days. But anyway, they've retargeted it to to the 6809, and um, ultimately, it's one of these projects where it's sort of a write your game once and target 35 platforms and. Somehow it's supposed to just work across them. I don't know how well that works here, but uh, it seems like there's at least some success. And either way, you're getting a a higher level language for compiling uh, uh, 6809 code. So you might want to check it out. Uh, for what it's worth, I think I saw somewhere else where since they got the 6809 for doing the Kogo support, uh, I think they're also going to end up supporting the Vectrix. So that might be. Uh, if cool. that entices you to, to be interested yeah. in the project, you might want to check it out. That's awesome. All right, uh, next one up here is from Robert Sieg. It's another uh, Facebook post in the TRC Color Computer Group. This is something pretty big. Darren Atkinson has released the uh, MCX SD-32 project files to anybody brave enough to undertake development on their own. So it looks like he's, um, he's just letting anybody wants to take this on, they can make their own uh, SD um, solution for their MC-10. Yeah, Darren has done some cool stuff and, you know, some good designs. And for some reason, he uh, he doesn't seem to like uh, the manufacturing side on, on these projects, so he always ends up turning the, that over to someone else. He uh, created the Ed Snyder uh, hegemony. <laughs> Ed took Darren's uh, designs for um, the... Coco SD and produced them and uh, had a near monopoly for some time on those. And then they, but also, you know, again, there, Darren didn't limit it to just Ed. So other people have been able to produce uh, that, that design. And here in this case, uh, I think Ed is also was producing the MCX 32, MCX SD 32, but now uh, somebody else could go in and design them. If they're uh, in, in demand, somebody else could produce them. So. Pretty cool. The next news article is from uh, Brendan Donahue, uh, posted in the Terra City MC10 Facebook group. Uh, here's a quick update on the MC10 USB 
and now Atari joystick adapter I've been working on. So that's a cool video to see um, Brendan in action there on a breadboard uh, working on this project. Yeah, that's awesome. So it looks like uh, pretty cool. May have full joystick support on the uh, the MC10. Yeah, well, that'd be interesting to see how Jim Gary and others take to that. Replacing the keyboards on the MC10 is definitely an understandable desire. And they're certainly not, not a joy to type on. So, cool to see yeah, that project. All right, and this last news article is uh, right up my alley. It's a YouTube video from Retro Hack Shack. Using chat GPT to write programs for the Commodore 64. So I guess maybe what you're saying here, John, is that I'm going to finally be able to write software on the Coco someday. <laughs> maybe you have to use a, a crazy AI to do it, but maybe I don't know if uh, ChatGPT can do Color Basic. Um, sounds like it's been able to do uh, a variety of retro uh, topics, including assembly language for the 6809 and 6502. I think so. You might try and see what he can come up with. Be interesting yeah. to see. I actually spent some time with ChatGPT, specifically on Coco stuff, and it it is really impressive. Even OS nine topics, I was really impressed with uh, what it came back with. Uh, it's an incredible learning tool, ChatGPT. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of our news segment. Why don't we take a little break here, and uh, we'll be back with some more bits of the show. Good morning, Unit 62134D67. Good morning, 5B6. It is a Saturday. What are your plans for the day? I thought I would first enjoy an energy recharge, then review the newest semiconductor catalog. You can't be serious. I am only joking. We will do what we do every day. Kill all humanoids. Kill all humanoids. Get that humanoid. He must not escape. Android attack from Spectral Associates. You're trapped in a maze surrounded by mechanical enemies. Can you find your way out before the androids eliminate you? Kill all humanoids. Kill all humanoids. 32K required. When you can do a common thing in an uncommon way, you will command the world. Colorware has created the ultimate creativity tool for the Radio Shack color computer. Introducing a Coco Max system. CocoMax brings a cutting-edge point-and-click interface with the most powerful graphics editor ever available for the color computer. Point-and-click. All the sophistication and power of much larger systems. Sophistication. Icons, pull-down menus, font styles, full graphics editing with color and pattern tools. You can brush spray or fill any color, shading or pattern. Color tools. Use rubber band lines and shapes. Shape tools. Use pencil and eraser tools. Calligraphy tools. Complete control. Use a full set of selection, copy, and paste tools. Copy and paste. Special effects like trace edges, flip, and invert. Special effects. Make a mistake? Simply click undo. Undo. Fatbits mode lets you zoom to the pixel level for the ultimate precise graphic control. Precise. And the key to Coco Max is the Coco Max high-res input unit. Pack that plugs into the color computer expansion interface or multipack. High res. Simply plug in a standard joystick, mouse, or trackpad to the input unit, and you now have a joystick resolution of 49,152 points, providing unparalleled pointing precision. Pointing precision. Coco Max will work on any 64K extended or non-extended color computer. It includes the Coco Max high res input unit and a complete user manual. It's available on cassette tape or disc for just $69.95. Get Coco Max and see your Coco perform as it never has before. Coco if you don't agree that Coco Max is the ultimate creative tool for the color computer, simply return within 20 days for a full courteous refund. The Coco Max system from Colorware. 
New Haven, New York. All right, Cocoa Cruisers, now it's time for some feedback. First one we got is a, a bit longer than most of our feedback items, but um, from Brenda Donahue. And so he uh, heard us stammering and begging a little bit for feedback on uh, the um, Classic Game Fest in Austin. And it turns out it's uh, kind of in his neighborhood, shall we say. And uh, he into it and uh, he gave us a, a rundown, email size uh, feedback. And uh, we normally don't read the whole things from just summarize them. But in this case, I thought we'd read it out and share the information with you that Brendan shared with us. So here we go. Quote, a few times now you guys have mentioned Classic Game Fest here in Austin, Texas, and I asked if it was worth attending, and I'm finally responding to that question. I've gone to about half of them and enjoyed myself when I did. There are arcade machines set up on free play, some consoles set up at booths, and various tournaments, lectures from current indie and past game developers, and lots of vendors. Vendors include those selling arts Slash crafts such as T-shirts and 3D printed and parlor bead retro video game trinkets and displays, and those selling video game related hardware, software, and books. Most of the video game related hardware and software are targeted toward consoles, but there are usually a few booths with retro computer hardware and software for sale. In prior years, I've had books and video games signed at the event by the likes of Ernst Klein from Ready Player One, Two, and Armada, Richard Garriott, Lord British of Origin Systems and Ultima Games, and Howard Scott Warshaw, Atari 2600 ET, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Last year, I met the creator of Qbert as well as the 8-Bit Guy and purchased two of his games. For what it's worth, anyone interested in exhibiting but not selling may qualify to demo their retro games at a free booth, which are otherwise about 10 times more expensive than those at our typical retro computer gatherings due to the high traffic of this event. Last year, about 10,000 people attended. I generally found a single day to be sufficient as an attendee. However, I've been allotted one such booth, so I'll be there both days and hope to see some fellow coconuts or at least other retro-competing fans there. Thanks for all the effort you guys put into your podcast. I'm still an avid listener. So, Brendan Donahue. Thank you, Brendan. It's good to hear from you. Thank you for the information on Classic Game Fest. Sounds pretty cool. We have uh, one more feedback item, kind of uh, a last-minute entry <laughs> from uh, Brian Weasler. And he says, I really enjoyed the prediction segment you did. Talking about last month's episode, episode 92. Uh, that must have been from the, um, the, the Coco group. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess we will see. P.S. Boise challenge accepted on finding Zork. I do enjoy the hunt. Again, that's Brian Weasler. Thank you, Brian, for, uh, for giving us the feedback. It's good to hear from you. All right, well, that's all our feedback this month. So why don't we take uh, another little break and uh, we'll be back with whatever else we got. <laughs> the Coco Graphics Designer Plus produces beautiful greeting cards, banners, and signs for the holidays, birthdays, and other occasions. The Coco Graphics Designer Plus features an easy-to-use point-and-click graphical interface with windows, scroll bars, and radio buttons. Use a joystick or mouse to control. Text can be used in up to four sizes and 16 fonts per page. Picture, font, and border collections are included. Signs and cards can be previewed on screen. 
and the Coco Graphics Designer Plus works with virtually any printer you can connect to your color computer. It's just $29.95 from Zebra Systems. Make your Tandy color computer more versatile with great additions from Radio Shack. The Tandy multi-pack interface is just $99.95 and allows you to connect up to four program pack cartridges. Easily change between the four slots using the front panel switch or switch slots under software control. How about adding an 80 column adapter? Just plug in the WordPack RS cartridge to your color computer and attach a monochrome monitor. It generates crisp, clear 80 column text with true upper and lower case characters and it's just $99.95. Find these and other great color computer products only at Radio Shack, a Tandy company. All right, Coco Cruisers, well, welcome back. After some uh, brief uh, conferring, we've decided to have a little host topic discussion. And what we've chosen to discuss is for our topic uh, is the question of, is the retro steel uh, quote unquote cool? And uh, if so, <clears throat> how long will it be that way? Let's see, I, I don't know. Um, I guess it, whether or not it's cool is uh, probably a, certainly a, in the eye of the beholder. Um, yes. It's been pretty cool to, to guys our age for um, for a little while now, depending on you know exactly who you're talking to. Better than watching a sports ball game on the uh, Saturday afternoon, if you ask me, but you know, it depends. It's an excuse to go to the um, the thrift store with a wife. Sometimes I like to look at furniture and stuff. <laughs> it uh, I kind of sometimes wish it wasn't quite so cool when it comes time to to try to buy something on eBay. I agree. Um, it definitely has been some price inflation over the years. Uh, we've talked about how um, it used to be basically if you're interested in this kind of stuff. You almost had to keep it secret because somebody was always trying to give you something. And while that sounds kind of nice, once you've accepted it four or five times and filled every uh, inch of space in your house, it gets a little expensive just for the storage. As a matter of fact, I just today got a letter from my uh, storage vendor and <laughs> that they're raising my monthly rent again, which they raised uh, at least twice last year. So... Anyway, anybody want some cocoa stuff? <laughs> anyway, is retro still cool? I guess it is. I mean, the prices don't don't seem to have fallen very much, at least uh, on eBay, if that's the measure. How long will it be that way? Um, I figure, given the fact that uh, at least my kids take zero interest in, in any of this stuff, there might be a few younger people out there who have an interest in, in the technology in the future, but uh, I would think that's got to be somewhat limited. So the expiration date on coolness, I think, is going to have to be related to the expiration date on all of us. Having spent a, a, a week in the hospital uh, late last year, uh, afraid that my own expiration date may not be that far in the future, hopefully uh, – Hopefully that's not entirely true, and hopefully it's not true for everyone else. But uh, still, when we look around, I think we'll see a, a, a lot more gray hair than we used to be. So it's got to put a limit on the hobby. <laughs> so are we at a two-minute warning, uh, or is uh, there still time left to play in this game? You can have my cocoa when you pry it from my cold, dead finger. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Cocoa forever. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Retro is still cool, and it's always been cool. I'm sure there were guys in the 30s that were uh, 
still hooking up horses to wagons just for the retro mm, of it. Sure. Uh, so what's popular retro is what, you know, is a sliding window. So yeah, we're going to see our, our day fade, but uh, you're always going to have some people for the next couple of decades, at least uh, <laughs> they're yeah. interested, interested in it. So I'd say you probably got another 30 years and, you know, maybe somebody will, you'll get a smaller group of, of younger people that are, are picking up these obscure systems possibly, but I don't think that really uh, has anything to do with the cool factor because the, the coolness is for the people that are, are in the community and are into it. And uh, most of the world doesn't even know about this. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, yet sure the, right. and yet we're in the top 10% of the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. well, well, there are a lot of podcasts and many of them are uh, short runs and, and, uh, obscure topics but uh you know of those at least we're in the top 10 percent worldwide so um I'd say that's yeah cool. i mean like you say the the retro there's always there's something cool about a certain amount of retro just because it becomes so obscure that it's just a, a curiosity uh, i know at least one person in this area who uh, regularly goes out um probably to some of the same uh, events where they do uh, civil war reenacting and that sort of stuff. But he, he goes out with a, a small forge and sets up and actually, you know, burns charcoal and, and takes metal and makes it hot and soft and pounds it into nails and stuff like that. <laughs> so the blacksmithing uh, is, is cool. And then um, also there's an event not far from here where, um, um, they have some uh, fairly large, uh, well, like uh, commercial steam engines uh, in place in the old factory, and then they have events where they, people have to bring in their 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 own steam engines. You know, they're portable per se, in the sense they can put them on a trailer. They were probably designed to be used on a farm or whatever, but they'll set them up and put the steam engine in in place, and uh, they have a uh, a belt that looks about like a fire hose, but uh, be strung up and kind of loose, but tight enough that it can, you know, the, the the wheel on the on the steam engine will turn something else somewhere, and they can operate machines and that sort of thing. And it's always a popular event on that Saturday, so um, there'll always be somebody who wants to come and look at the old freaks. And um, I guess now we can still be the cool guys that are being the old freaks. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think you're describing uh, the equivalent of that in our hobby would be the guys that are maintaining those big mainframes. Yeah. You know, and you occasionally hear about something like that. And then there's occasionally the story like there, there was some kid that was 10 or 12 years old that bought a mainframe and brought it to his house and got convinced his parents to hook him up with the three phase power to have his <laughs> mainframe running downstairs. Seems a little crazy to me, but I guess, you know, it's like telling somebody their girlfriend is ugly. I mean, it's it's their girlfriend and not yours, right? So <laughs> different to to each their own, different strokes for different folks, that sort of thing. And damn it, if you want to put a 6309 in your Coco 1 or 2, you go ahead and be happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the other thing I'm noticing in the, uh, the retro hobby, being cool aspect, I guess, is we're now seeing people buying like Pentium fours and those prices yeah. are going up. I've got to have a, a light desire to have a mid to late nineties era DOS gaming PC, you know, to run like 
Doom or Duke Nukem or something like that. Uh, not that I play a lot of that kind of stuff, but it'd be kind of cool to be able to sit down and play with them once in a while. You know, a machine that's still, it's old enough that it still can drive a floppy drive directly from the motherboard or, <laughs> um, right. anyway, I still got it in my head that those should be $10 PCs. They're not $10 PCs. Let me <laughs> tell you what. <laughs> they used to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, it's the same story as a Coco's as whereas, 1994, if you found a cocoa at a yard sale, you could walk away with it for nothing. By 2004, you were going to be paying 20 or 30 bucks for it at least, and by 2014, a lot more. Um, but uh, the, the old PCs, you know, I mean, you used to could just drive around and literally find them out in the rain by the garbage can at people's houses and stuff. And certainly if you were dumpster diving at an actual business, you could, like I say, walk away with those for free all the time. And nowadays, you you know, you don't find that. So I guess the, the verdict is that the retro is still cool and is going to stay that way long enough. <laughs> I think that sums it up. That's accurate. All right. Yep. <laughs> All right, Cougar Cruisers, what do you think? How about you send us some feedback and let us know? Your Tandy Color Computer is powerful, but it's plagued with one problem. Clunky expansion. Bowtech Instruments has the solution. Quality hardwood cabinets for your color computer. Eliminate that mess on your desk by transferring your computer components into a single elegant case. Our beautiful wood cases have room for your color computer motherboard, disc controller, two half-height floppy disk drives, and an additional 5x7 board, such as an 80-column card. Each case is precision milled in our factory and includes a high-quality switching power supply for all of your color computer components. Each case includes a matching hardwood keyboard enclosure for your color computer keyboard. Stop fighting the mess of cables and adapters that take up all of your desk space. Make your system shine with a new hardwood case from Bowtech Instruments. Cases are available in your choice of hardwoods, oak, maple, cherry, walnut, antique. Another quality computer product from Bowtech Instruments, Utica, Michigan, USA. Welcome back to Neil's Corner on episode 93 of the Coco Crew Podcast. On this segment, I'm not going to be talking about a game this month, but something to preserve your precious Coco games. Now, anyone who knows me is aware I'm kind of obsessed with different disk copy protection schemes. Back in the day, I was more fascinated by this versus some of the actual games. The utility I'm going to talk about is called Backup Magic, coded by Carl England in 2006. This is also one of the reasons why I'm mentioning this utility, because it's not exactly old, but it's not brand new either. The mid-2000s was an era in Cocoa history that was kind of forgotten about. We didn't have the huge Cocoa community we have today, and most people who were involved in the Coco were originals from the early days. It wasn't really considered or called retro computing yet in the mid-2000s. Carl England, who we had the honor to interview on episode 58, is what I call a floppy disk genius, or guru at the very least. He has created us some amazing utilities over the years, such as Superboot, which drastically speeds up loading times for floppy disk access, along with other useful features for setting baud rates and background screen color. Alright, on to backup magic. This utility will back up any Coco floppy disk, even if it's heavily copy protected. It doesn't care what information is on the disk, as it does a blind read track by track. It also copies at a blazing speed, especially on a two drive setup. Another cool feature to note 
is the destination disk does not even have to be formatted. It will format it as the copy goes. It's faster to do a full disk copy versus formatting a disk. This disk copy utility is certainly not like older ones that take ages nibbling away at copy protected floppies. You can obtain a copy of Backup Magic on the Coco Archives website. To use it, simply make up a real disk with the Backup Magic disk image. From that disk, type run quotes magic quotes. After the title screen, when the program is loaded up, it'll prompt you to select source drive number. Insert the source disk you want to be copied and destination disk you want the contents copied onto. Now answer the prompt for source drive number and destination drive number. It will automatically begin to copy after you enter those values. As always, you should make sure the source disk is right protected with a sticker over the notch just in case you mess up the order. Within a minute, you'll have a perfect one-to-one -one clone of your original source disk. There's not one game or program I wasn't able to back up so far with this software. It completely retains the original copy protection. Also to note, on the floppy disk image of Backup Magic are a few extra goodies from Carl. There's a program called Magic2PC for creating files to transfer a copy protected disk to an emulator running on a PC. Another utility called PC Magic to create virtual copies of copy protected disks using files made by Magic2PC. There's also a program called Defeater which allows you to examine any track of a disk and you can copy disks using it, but it does require a lot of knowledge of how disk tracks are organized. Another program called Copy512 Plus, which is a file manager utility. You can copy files using the cursor with arrow keys. All files are loaded into the 512K memory, which is extra useful for single drive setups. And last but not least, Superboot Utility is included, which allows you to configure drive stepping rate, number of tracks, single or double-sided, printer baud rate, change foreground and background color on a Coco 3, and more. If you're into using real floppy disks, I highly recommend downloading Backup Magic from the Coco Archives website and trying it out. I really think you'll be amazed at how well it works. It's also a lot cheaper than buying a cat weasel or grease weasel. One last thing to note, and I am very excited about this. For all of you who don't have or use a real floppy drive and are strictly using a Coco SDC on your Coco, Carl is actually in the process right now in creating an updated version of Backup Magic designed to be fully compatible with the Coco SDC. You can use a real floppy drive and a Coco SDC together with an MPI to create images of your original floppy disks and save them on your SD card with the Coco SDC. And you can also create real floppy disks off of your Coco SDC as well. I've been following Carl's postings on the latest version and he has it done and working. He's just tweaking and putting the finishing touches on it. Hopefully by next month podcast recording, it'll be ready for us to download and start using. Well, until next month, Happy Coco disc copying and retro forever. Turn any color computer with extended basic into a complete disc system with the new FD501 color thin line disc from Radio Shack. Store over 156K of data. Write your own disc programs or use ready to run software. The disc operating system is built into the program pack cartridge that connects the disc drive to your color computer. And the FD501 has room to add a second drive, providing an additional 156K of storage. This month only, purchase a two drive FD501 color thin-line disk system for just $359.95. That's a 25% savings. Apply in-store for a CityLine revolving account and pay as low as $20 per month. The FD501 thin-line disk. Only from Radio Shack. A Tandy Company.
Well, it's that time again. We've reached the end of the podcast, as episode 93 is now behind us. As usual, I'd like to thank our host, John Linville, for procuring all the news articles and providing us with incredible tech segments. Mike Rowan, who painstakingly edits the podcast and creates those super fun commercials. Boise Pete, our Coco historian. He remembers it, so you don't have to. Last but not least, a huge thanks to all of you who listen and support us each month. We also really do appreciate your feedback. Until next month, happy cocoing and retro forever. It's a blast from the past. Please listen carefully. Coco. like there's no tomorrow. What is this crazy rock and roll music anyway? It's a blast from the past. Dance, dance, dance. Go, go.